Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of the HTML All the Things podcast. I'm the host, Matt Lawrence, and uh, we're doing something a little bit different than other podcasts do. Instead of having a pilot or an episode zero in which, you know, we do one or two minutes of what you should expect in the next episode, we thought we'd kind of jam-pack this episode and, as the title suggests, kind of focus on our pathways and our foundation that'll kind of serve as a reference moving forward with the show. Um, basically any of the decisions we go moving forward on future projects that we talk about are going to be based on these foundations. And so we kind of have a unique background, a unique past in this field. And so if you have any questions like, Hey, why did that guy do that thing on this project? Well, refer to this episode because this is why, um, I also have a co-host here. My business partner, uh, Mike is also on Mike. Mike is also on Mike. (laughs) Yes, I am. How's it going? It's uh, going really well. I'm excited for this. First, your uh, your first ever podcast, is that correct? Yes, I have never recorded myself before. You've never n- never recorded yourself at all? You've never... On, on audio, I should be clear. Yeah, on audio. I've definitely done a lot of video for... This is going back to like high school days, but um, yeah, on audio, never. <laughs> and of course, I, I interrupted your very first words. It's Mike and Mike and Mike. Um... Okay. I'll never forgive you for that. You'll never forget. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so basically, uh, I think what we should do is we should kind of go through the segments that we have planned for today, and we'll of course be talking about what is going to be coming up in um, in future episodes as well. Um, so what's kind of on the ticket for today? We have several segments. We have a synopsis of today. So what we're doing today, why we're here, what we're talking about, um, and that'll that'll you know be a great basis for the next segments, which will be include education, our educational background, um, our work experience, um, and then finally we're going to start talking about what this whole thing is, and then we'll conclude the uh, the show. Uh, so I think we can probably jump right into the synopsis of today. Um, I'll let you kind of take this over, Mike, if you want, kind of just talk about. Uh, just so I just so it's a little break, breaks it up for me talking the whole time. Like what, what do you, what give us a synopsis of today? Yeah, sure. No problem. So, uh, yeah, we're a small business, a small startup. Uh, we're called digital dynasty design. We started, what is it now? I think end of 2014. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, it's over three years now anyway. Yeah. It's well, it's well over three years. So yeah, we, we do uh web development, web design, uh, we kind of do some freelance work here and there. We're, we're a jack-of-all-trades web company, I would say. Uh, we have the service business. I think we even started with IT a little bit, right? Like we have, we have, a, we had a few clients that we did IT that we quickly realized we don't want to be doing that ever again, and we're moving away from that, and we've almost moved away from that. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> good old, <laughs> yeah. good old IT field, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that we're not in it anymore. So yeah, I think this this podcast and this uh, our business we'll, we'll be talking mostly about web development where that's taken us. I think with a little bit of other development mixed in because I don't know. I'm assuming everyone knows that web development is kind of intertwined with almost every other 
programming practice these days. So even be it mobile development or uh, server infrastructure or uh, some any anything you can think of is now linked with web development because of all these things like React Native and Atom and all those great great frameworks that we'll also be talking about. I think uh, not today, but maybe in in future episodes. Exactly, exactly. So this will sort of be our origins and our our uh, pathway and foundation. And then in future episodes, we'll be definitely be discussing specific projects. And then with that, those specific frameworks and whatever else that come along with doing whatever project, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, one of the one of the things I guess that we should mention because you just touched on it there was that we were in the beginning stages years ago before we ever started this. We were planning on doing. An IT business. We had uh, we had a whole business plan based on IT. We had contacted um, I don't really know what you'd call them the authorities, I guess, on how to like set up an IT business like legally and get the name and the whole bit set up. And we sort of like set everybody. Or we sort of like tried to get that IT business open. And it wasn't until we were offered a uh, web development project, I suppose it is, for a sort of membership site uh, that we work for occasionally right now. Where they said, "Hey, you guys should really offer uh, websites to our members," and we were, we were, you know, we were going to jump on board, and we thought, "Hey, we might as well see if we can, you know, kind of get some revenue from that." And then, in the same time, we're expanding our web development skills, uh, which were there but minimal at the time. Uh, and then, unfortunately, that that deal didn't work out. But we were like, "Well, heck, we, you know, we've kind of spent time setting this up and doing that. We might as well move forward." with uh web development uh, like full time and mm-hmm. uh, that's what we've been doing ever since uh we've been doing several several projects working for businesses uh and just consumers from of all sizes of business uh down to the smallest guy that is just doing some hobby website uh so we've been kind of worked in all those type of things and we've definitely tried to branch out a bit we've tried uh chrome extension development chrome app development and we've also tried other passive income projects um, even something uh, as a stock photo resource which is still up to this day as well um did you have anything you wanted to add about any of those projects along the way mike so yeah we have a little bit of experience now with working with larger companies um we do work with small companies still and we do our own our own projects so just like matt just like matt was saying so and this is this is a key um, and we'll get into this more in the one of the final segments of the show. But this HTML all the things is one of those projects, um, and we will, of course, as I said, get into that uh, going ahead. But just to sort of get a basis of what we do within the company, um, my sort of official title we both we're both co-founders, but my sort of official title is the front end developer. I do a lot of the UI stuff, the wireframes, uh, and that and that sort of thing, and a lot of the uh, the planning for, oh, we need a button here. So a lot of the UX stuff, the, you know, we need a button here, a menu here, a transition here. And then I also program that. So I know HTML, CSS, JS, you know, your front end technologies, um, of course. And uh, Mike's more back end, if you wouldn't mind expanding on that a little bit. Yeah. So my back end uh, is a lot to do with business logic. So I still do, I would say, front end uh, JavaScript and front-end coding, uh, but it's with more of a back-end mindset. So, And I also know um, a lot of the back-end technologies like Node. I know uh, Python uh, for servers. Um, so I, I have done quite a bit of back-end, but my main focus is on business, uh, 
business logic for front end as well. Uh, so we kind of we kind of complement each other really well, I think, uh, especially because of my complete lack of design skills. Like I, <laughs> I can't like I can't design anything. I can make like a simple front like cover page for nobody. But regardless, <laughs> I, I, funny, I think funny we, enough, I think that, we complement uh, each other pretty well. Well, that I was put to say there is funny enough just just last week you i was like yo can you make me a just a real brief template i want to add some more content to uh to html the things and you're like well as long as you design it <laughs> yeah as long as you send me the uh the wireframes and you did send me the wireframes and i am starting to make it um i think what i'm good at is when you send me that i can kind of see where you're going with it and put my own spin on it i'm Absolutely. just not good at sitting down and from scratch designing something that i myself find appealing so i that's my issue well, that, that's one thing too. Is is for sure like not like neither you nor I, and we will get into the education and that type of thing in a moment. But neither you nor I really have formal design experience. I think it's just like one of those things where one uh, like I kind of pay attention very specifically to things, and like as you know, like I'll call and rant to you about like they they move this button here. Mm-hmm. Like I really, I really don't like this. Like you know what I mean. So I. I guess I just kind of have that eye where I like specifically look for, oh, I need a button here. User actions should be reduced in this area. Just sort of like that's sort of an abstract. There's obviously a lot more specifics to that in, ter- in terms of UI and UX. But that's just, I guess, where our design experience uh, kind of comes from. And I guess this is a kind of a great segue into talking about where we do come from. And that kind of comes from our education. Um, we had a couple of levels of education. Obviously, um, we're going to focus on the post-secondary part of it. Uh, so... I, uh, myself and Mike both went to computer, uh, or to Mohawk College for computer engineering technology. And, uh, that was back in, I think, I want to say 2009, but that was a while ago. That's when we started it. And then, uh, Mike went on and, uh, did sort of a continuating, uh, continuing, uh, kind of liaison, uh, program with, uh, the neighboring university, McMaster University. I did not do that. Um, but I, we both started the business right after Mohawk's, uh, graduation. So shortly after that, we took a small break and then we started that up. And then Mike was in uh, McMaster University for that. I guess we should touch on specifically what happened at Mohawk first, considering we have that in common. And then I'll kind of let you going to go through whatever you did in McMaster because I don't really know many of the intricacies. Um, But uh, basically, we went through electrical systems, system administration. uh, We did a little bit of web tech, some embedded programming. Um, and we're going to touch on each of these topics right now. Um, we know, we all know that Mike's favorite topic is the electrical systems, especially with, especially with transistors. <laughs> hey, hey, I took a whole semester and I still did not know what a transistor was, but I, I'll blame the education system for that. Well, we, we spent, had, we only, we only spent to be fair, like two and a half months on transistors. Well, what was, what was strange, what was strange was, I think was, and it wasn't like necessarily strange so much as maybe jack of all trades sort of course was, you know, we did do electrical systems. We did do into, um, a little bit of Canadian electrical code. Um, I I believe the short form of that is CEC. We did do some of that and, you know, we were in computer engineering technology. So that sounds outrageous, but like, that's sort of what we did was we kind of went into everything. We touched on the electricity that runs the computer and then we kind of got into more specifically, and this is more related to what we do today is system administration. So we did touch on, uh, we had full courses on, uh, windows server, 
Linux server. I believe we just did Linux as well, just to learn the commands. Mm -hmm. um, and then more specifically after that, um, and you know, intertwined with that as well, VMware. We, we, we really touched on uh, virtual machines and that sort of thing. And that sort of teaches you, uh, maybe Mike will be able to comment more on this, but that sort of teaches you back-end tech more. It kind of gives you a bigger... Uh, view than say the the back end the back end dev who yeah he understands server tech to an extent but you, as we know not all not all back end developers have that I would say like hi hierarchical uh, view of the entire you know tree that you would have in a company infrastructure. Yeah, I completely agree. I think a big advantage of this is that we're able to work really well with engineering firms, so we can take a look at an engineering firm's structure and we not only understand their IT infrastructure and their programming needs, but we also understand their actual technical needs. Like we know enough about electrical systems to know uh, what they're doing to, to in a high level and help them make it better. So I think it's a, it was a great, almost a niche spot for us that we could use in our future uh, future work if we really needed to. Now, we haven't worked too much with engineering firms, but I could see that being a very good opportunity for us in the future to, to do anything if we ever needed work. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I, I think it was a great idea to, to combine the electrical stuff with us. And uh, actually, in, in a future segment, you'll, you'll hear about uh, the fact that I did a co-op as an electrical drafts person. So that kind of helped as well with getting my mind around the engineering aspect as well as the programming and IT infrastructure aspect. Absolutely. Like we, we have um, almost a consultant level understanding, I would say, not that we've worked with a lot of consultants, but like from what we hear through third parties is that a, a consultant is usually um, either very, very high level. And so they don't get into the intricacies or they're very intricate in one thing and so like they'll you know have very specific softwares in mind whereas like the high level consultants might be like oh you we know you need servers and we know you need computers and we know you need this but i don't know which ones mm -hmm. and so we kind of have that that like middle ground where like we kind of we've seen that in action and they and and to get into the, in some of the intricacies that we did cover we did have a web tech class that covered html css and js there was some database experience in that as well. Um, so we did learn some of that. And that was very basic because it was one course. But it is it is a good basic because or uh, base because then you can take those and go, oh, I'm going to learn more about how to style this. How do I store more complex values in this database or whatever, right? So you can kind of take it and extrapolate yourself and sort of start learning yourself. Um and then, and then one of the more interesting things I think that we covered that kind of gives us a really unique perspective is we covered in depth over three separate classes, um, embedded programming. Um, and that's sort of known as, as we were taught, uh, close to the metal, uh, programming. And I'm going to read the Wikipedia definition of an embedded system, uh, to you just so, just to get the sort of official word out there, because we're probably going to be talking about this for a bit here. Um, an embedded system is a computer system with a dedicated function 
within a larger mechanical or electrical system. Often with real-time computing constraints, it is, it is embedded as a part of a complete device, often including hardware and mechanical parts. Embedded systems control many devices in common use today. 98% of all microprocessors are manufactured uh, as components of embedded systems. And basically, the I know that's a long and boring definition, but it really does encapsulate what it is. A great example of it is a car alarm. You have, you know, the car has its gas system and, you know, everything else that has radios in there for, for listening and Bluetooth and whatever. But the car alarm is an embedded system. It's one system that sits there and checks if the doors are open or checks if the windows are smashed. And it just sits there and sits there and sits there and waits and then when it go when the door opens it sends a signal to an alarm and it starts beeping or whatever it does and mm-hmm. so that's that is a really good example that was given to us in school as well of an embedded system yeah. it's like it's like a one off <coughs> one off system right like you build a chip designed to do one thing very very well and you program it and it's supposed to sit there and not be re- reprogrammed that's the point it's it's a really interesting way of programming, and it, and it makes you have a completely different perspective, especially because we started with the very basic programming language assembly, right? Like, to program these chips back in the day, that's what people would use. Right now, you can make an embedded system with a Raspberry Pi. But right, right. Back back in the day, you started with assembly, and I think that that was the great perspective that we got, is starting from scratch. Like, we didn't start from binary, okay? We're not we're not there, but at least we did uh, we did assembly. And I think that really progressed us as programmers because right after assembly, what do you do? You do C. Exactly, exactly. And and we, we started with assembly um, to to give some specifics. We, we started on assembly on what's called an AVR butterfly. And that's like a very small little embedded system that has a microcontroller in it, has a little screen, it has like a little joystick button thing, and you learn how to display something on the screen. You learn how to, when you click a button, display something else. You learn those very basic things. Then we moved on to something called the Atmel 18 Mega 16, and that was included in two other courses that we did. And what that was, was it's it's literally just a larger um, microcontroller, but it, we had it open. So it was just the microcontroller, and we would make our own system so we would you know go and hook up lights because we had that electrical knowledge we would go and hook up leds we would go and hook up a buzzer we'd go and hook up a button it wasn't just all built in like it was in the butterfly and we would understand the intricacies of oh electricity hit this pin therefore turn this pin on which will tell the light to turn on and that's that's sort of that and then to further it we some of us went on even further and did our what we call the what was called the TR project at the time, which is sort of your final project, your technical report project. And what that is is we had to do, uh, you know, something that encapsulated everything we learned. And obviously, microcontrollers was a big part of that. And so some of us used other microcontrollers. I used an eight omega thirty two, which is the same as the sixteen with more RAM. So I can't really comment on that. Um, I think you used the sixteen as well, didn't you, Mike? Uh, yeah, I think I used, I think I used the 32 as well, actually. Use, okay, but, use the 32, just for more RAM, because we were... Yeah, just because I had to buffer uh, with Bluetooth, that was the only thing. Actually, that's a, that's a great um, application. What what exactly did your project do, just to, for another example? So I designed a, pretty much a, a sensor array that had a mobile application associated with it. So my microcontroller, the Atmega 32... 
uh, would take in a bunch of information like temperature, uh, and then it would also t- take an input. So like if someone pressed a button that's connected to it, uh, it would also have lights associated with different uh, settings, like depending on how you hold it, a different light would ho- uh, go on. And then it would send that through Bluetooth to a, a Android phone, and the Android phone would have an application on it that would read and interpret that data and then also be able to send back a request to turn on a buzzer or something like that. It was it was more of a demo application, of course, but uh, I think it, it really brought everything together that we learned, plus made me learn Android development um, and a little bit of Bluetooth uh, communication protocol, which I think has come in pretty handy in the future. In, recent recent projects what's what's super interesting is that is, is that um people don't really think about embedded systems much they just think of like oh my computer is my computer it runs windows it runs uh you know the mac os or or oh my phone is you know it runs android it runs you know bb10 it runs it runs ios it, it they don't think of these little systems like a microwave control panel um, I'm sure is probably controlled by an embedded system of sorts, uh, depending on how complex or how old it is, uh, you know, and there's a lot of little intricate systems that go and talk to the more general systems, which are our computers and our phones, like those are general computing devices. And we have the experience in those, in that weird area. One of the things I remember actually was the thing that we were, we were taught um, during, during school was that it's, all other programmers would see our program as broken because it has a wild one and everything goes in the wild one. And it, that, if you're not interested, if you're not um, aware of what wild one does, but it's a loop that just keeps running. And and like in other programming, it's it, that would be considered really bad, including web development. It'd be like, yo, that's pretty bad. Like you know, you just have this loop that's running, you know, over and over and over again. There's no exit. But in our case, especially in the case of the alarm, it's like you need that system constantly running. It's supposed to always be running unless it's told to shut off. Yeah, it's totally. always running. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like a big, that's a big, you know, difference I think that we have in terms of uh, a perspective. Um, and that uh, I'm sure you'll agree that what they call close to the metal. So you're programming very close, close to the hardware is the best way to put it. You're not programming on windows, which is compiling it down through a driver to like, there's none of that. It's like you made the driver. Or like you're programming it just direct with a yeah, well, specifically, you. like you said, you made the driver. We did make drivers for Absolutely. different uh, for different devices. We yeah, made like, like an LED it, driver and stuff. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I mean, it, you're almost designing your own operating system as as simple as it as it would be to turn a light on enough. But if you think about it, you an operating system. What it does is it does pull. It does constantly wait for you to put an input in. And then gives an output. So we had to design that for our systems. We couldn't use something like Windows to piggyback on its polling. We had to design our own polling mechanism, which is the while one loop. Now, there's other things like events, but in embedded programming, events is, isn't aren't the biggest uh, drivers. It, it really is a polling infrastructure because you need it so quickly. Absolutely, yeah. You can't have a, a you know a ten minute delay on rendering whether the door opened of your car when someone's trying to steal it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's not going to sit there and be like, oh, I got to think about this, this data, yeah. you know? Yeah. You so, can't have a, you can't have a millisecond delay if you're talking about an airbag. Exactly. That, that, that's a very good example. It, mm-hmm. it needs to be extremely quick and it can't, 
So that, that's 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 one of the things is on Windows, right? If, for example, if you write a program, it's going through all these systems that talk to Windows, that talk to the hardware, that talks to like there's all this back and forth. Whereas like you know you'll be like, man, this application is slow as hell. You wouldn't want that in, a, in an accident where you would you know get, hit your head off the steering wheel otherwise. You know, so that that's that's a really good that's a really good point on that. So that's sort of our unique um, perspective for sure. And I think that that sort of lends itself, we may talk about this later in the show, but that sort of lends itself to uh, why we're purists, I think, in the in the field. Like, we use a lot of just straight up HTML, CSS, and JS, because all these libraries and all these, all these uh, toolkits and whatever else people are using these days, I mean, we can use them, but at the end of the day, the browser only understands those basics. And so if we can do it in a basic way, that's almost like as if it's close to the metal or it's close to the browser in this case. So that's probably why we're like that. Yeah, we had we had a teacher in college that kind of made us think that way. Like think instead of thinking, what can I import and make it do this one little thing? How can I make this be as efficient as possible without having to import a whole library to do that. I mean, obviously, in some cases, importing a library is absolutely the right thing to do. But if you want to use one line of code in a library that is like, a you know, a 10 megabyte library, why do you need to import that? Why can't you write your own driver for it? Why can't you create your own function that will do that exact same thing instead of having to add this huge abstraction layer? So that that is why we first of all started with uh, just straight JavaScript and CSS and HTML, yep. and uh, I think we didn't stop using that until we really learned its capabilities and knew how. Let's like even next the next step up would be jQuery, how jQuery worked. Like if if we didn't know how that function worked in JavaScript, uh, that almost gave me hesitation to use it. In jQuery, Absolutely. even if I knew it was easier to use in code, uh, that again that that might not be the most efficient way of learning how to code, but that's kind of like the process that we went through, and um, I think it's really lent us to be that very lean, very professional coding uh, like coders, and our code shows it. Like we have uh, the code reviews that I've been through, everyone always comments that the code is clean. And it's very readable, so that, that's kind of what I pride myself on. Especially, especially since since if we're just talking about you know, you don't want to be. I, I'll just give a, a just a direct example, actually. So recently, I was on a small project, and like we had um, we had two two requirements. One, we just needed to use Flexbox, <laughs> as simple as that sounds. And another one was we needed to uh, transition things in, like a little animation. I think it was a fade in, or maybe it was a move up as you were scrolling down and the developers on the project were like, yo, bring in this library for, uh, for Flexbox and bring in this. But I had already done part of it. And I was like, what are you, what are you guys doing? And they're like, what do you mean? We're like installing this like Flexbox library. I was like, why? Like just display flex in CSS. Like, what are you doing? You just use Flexbox. Yeah. And they're like, no, like we want to use these classes, a part of this, uh, you know, one of these libraries and these libraries are great, right? Bootstrap has, has def- or has a Flexbox in it with like, you know, D dash flex, I think it is. And like, it's great if you make the whole application in there, but you just need Flexbox and you didn't need anything else. What are you doing? Just, just use, just use the real thing, you know? And, and same with the transitions, like, oh, 
Um, I need to tra- I need to do this transition down. I'm going to install this massive animation library, which is going to increase the load time, and I'm going to have you know it, two items float up. It's like, what are you doing? Just yeah. tell it to transist. Like, do a transition in CSS. Yeah. Do a so, CSS transition. I don't. I, I. I also don't understand that. I understand the counterpoint against it being like, well, we need to learn these web technologies because that's that's what jobs require. Like, you need to know Angular to get a job nowadays. You need absolutely. to know React, although React's kind of losing its luster. Uh, but regardless, it. I still fight that because in a professional company, if you were to get in there and you were to show them that you could make something more efficient with less code uh, I think that they would go for it 100% so there's there, in my opinion there's no reason to use to overuse a framework just because you need to learn it I think that there's plenty of frameworks that are perfect for exact projects but if you're doing something small like a landing page with a couple of scroll effects there's no reason to be using a, uh, a framework even I, though I, I understand why people argue against that absolutely, absolutely agree on that for mm-hmm. sure and and I and I and I honestly attribute that to the embedded, as we as we've said. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, you you also went on from this. Like, uh, this is the end of me <laughs> in terms of my post secondary. And you went on to McMaster University, a, a neighboring university just down the road from the college that we went to. And uh, you got you learned a bunch of stuff. Uh, so go ahead and sort of give us a synopsis and what how that influenced and influences to this day your choices when programming. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, this was a, a Bachelor of Technology in Software Engineering. Um, so really, it was a lot of engineering stuff. There wasn't as many labs, I would say. Like there were a few, but extremely different than college. I think Matt can attest to the fact that we had how many like pre labs where we had to set up for three, four hours before the lab, make sure oh, that everything yes. works, and then get in there and you know check all our connections to make sure it works. Um, in that Cla- sense, classic call- phrase, classic, <laughs> yeah, us, check yeah, all your check connections. Your connections. If you're, yeah. if you've ever been in embedded design, I am a hundred percent sure that someone has said that phrase to you and you have rolled your eyes or, um, you know, had some dark thoughts. So yeah, there was, there wasn't as much of that where it was more actual, the architecture of the software. So we talked about design patterns, singletons, that kind of stuff, uh, UML diagrams, so sequence diagrams, activity diagrams, uh, just the designing before you even start coding, you got to sit down and put your idea or put the company's solution into a paper form that you can take to a team because really the, all these things are meant for larger teams that need to communicate how to build something together instead of like conflicting with each other. So you need to make sure that everyone's on the same page. You show them these diagrams, you show them these, uh, you, you, you write out the, the idea of what you're going for. That's what an engineer does. He doesn't code as much. So when you, when you write this out and you show it to someone, they'll understand what you're saying, what you're saying, instead of you just kind of showing it on your hands. And then all of a sudden, no one understands what you're saying. No one's using the right structures. No one's using the right patterns. No one's using even the right languages like you. The amount of times that we've seen uh, different, like a, a team take over a project and then try to put their own influence on it. And it becomes a completely different thing with a bunch of convolution. Uh, one of our first projects in as digital dynasty design was to take an older very old site 
that was built in I don't know three or four different technologies. One oh, one man. being oh, what yeah. was it Dreamweaver? Yeah, well, one, and it had like fifteen million templates for each and every uh, page. It was just like it's it's literally like it passed along the lines of like seven or eight different teams. Well, what what really sucked about it was like I mean the site was functional, whatever, mm-hmm. but it was like oh I want to change this. And since it's like, like we, we weren't hired, we weren't hired at the time to redesign. We were hired to maintain, um, to add information to the site. And what would happen is, is in Dreamweaver, if you've ever used it, or at least this is how we used it. God knows how messed up our experience is with it. But like, we, we had this thing where it'd be like, oh, can you change this menu? And I'd go in there and be like, oh, it says it's locked by this template. So I'd go in and try to unlock the template, do what you do. And then I'd go in there and it'd be like, oh, this font is locked. And I'd be like, what's going on here? And then the font is locked by some other template. And it like what ended up happening was is it was multiple people um, supposedly at the company that was maintaining it before. But then it was also multiple iterations of Dreamweaver where like the site was old and it was just like brought up through the levels of Dreamweaver. And so there were full sections of the site where the old theme was just present. And it was like old. Like I'm talking like HTML marquees were on there. And you couldn't change it because it would be like oh, you're using Dreamweaver, you know, version X, and, you know, we were four versions back or something, so we couldn't figure it out. And, like, I mean, admittedly, if we sat there and, like, engineered a, a solution to get into it, we definitely absolutely could. But ultimately, we it, was, it wasn't worth doing all that, putting all that time for an older design, and we did re- redo it. But that's how big of a mess it can get if you don't follow those basic guidelines, I guess. Yeah, if you don't if you don't have some sort of documentation at the start of it, or you don't have a cohesive design process, you can have a very a very difficult time maintaining it. Or the biggest thing is that you're not going to be the one maintaining it. When you're designing something, the chances of you ten ten years down the line having to go back in and do something on it is very low. Most likely, someone else is going to have to take over, and that's where software software architecture has to play a key role where you have all this documentation, you have all the thought process in why you did these things. So yeah. someone can take that and be like, oh, that's why they put that, uh, that infrastructure in. That's why they use this framework. That's why it, it, it's very, very key, especially when you're talking big business, to know how to architect a piece of software. Um, now, that was just one part of it. We also did uh, some basic mathematics uh, in data mining, in sorting we did data structures and algorithms um binary tree structures machine learning we touched on all these things i wouldn't say that i'm an expert in any of them and i would would barely say i'm familiar with any of them but i can at least take a look at documentation and i can i can take a look at code and understand where it's going uh we did write quite a bit of code and we did write like our, our own custom sorting algorithms um not that they were good but we we had competitions for who can sort the best bubble sort or something like that uh and that kind of gave a good more in-depth perspective into programming than what we got in uh computer engineering technology at mohawk college so i think that that really helped me understand the business logic side of it and that's why i kind of went more into the uh, back end for our business and absolutely um, yeah so i mean i wouldn't the, the interesting thing is that People say, you know, university is difficult and all that. I wouldn't say it was difficult. I would, I would, I think that computer engineering, those, those nights that we had with, uh, just staying up till like 3 a.m. to study for an exam, that, that was more stressful and that was more difficult to, uh, to complete than even this university program. But both, 
complemented each other really well. And along with all those technical courses, I also did take some business management courses like technological entrepreneurship, which is right up our alley, project management, right up our alley, management of technical projects. You know, like it's just it made perfect sense for one of us to go to go into it. And I kind of wanted to finish it. And uh, and while I was doing that, Matt was starting our business pretty much like I was helping and I did I did a lot of management stuff but I didn't I Matt was really the one that had to put it put the grind put to the grindstone and that's been great I think that I think that that combination really worked well for us without that there's no way we could have we could have went forward absolutely because it would have been it would have been like either I would have at that point like if you had if we had planned to do the business after you were done McMaster let's say I would have you know, would have went into a full-time role. And by that time, you know, depending on how the structure works, I may have been promoted to some position, like, you know, maybe even just promoted to full-time, I mean. But like you you get established within a company within, I think it was three years you were at McMaster, three or four years. Um, And so like you kind of get established and then you don't want to leave and then you're giving up like a foundation. And then also like you you couldn't work really full-time, obviously when you're in McMaster, and like, you know, it was a great thing where you were learning new skills. It was fresh. You know, we would have a meeting. You would bring me, hey, this is how they manage this. And then I'd be like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then that would, you know, influence my decisions when you're doing the initial grind. You know, that like that is, you know, it's really beneficial, I think. And it was like, like you said, it was it's the perfect storm, basically, of, you know, you had part time availability. I was available basically full time. We were, you know, we had common education and you were furthering um, into different areas, whereas I was like honing in on business stuff. So it was, it really was the perfect, the perfect storm, I would say. Um, and on top of all of this education that we just discussed, you know, the education system, Mohawk specifically gave us uh, co-op opportunities. And uh, this was probably, or this was, this was my favorite part of, of Mohawk's education, uh, straight up. Um, I was... I was lucky enough to uh, have three positions at uh, Research in Motion or BlackBerry, as it was later named. And then uh, Mike had a couple of different uh, positions at uh, some other large companies that were in the area. Um, did you want to touch on touching your stuff or did you want me to, to touch on mine? Whichever will complement uh, what we're going to be covering better, you think? Uh, no, go, go ahead. You can You can start and I'll kind of just pitch in a little bit. Um, so, sure. So, sure. So I, I kind of went into, um, it, uh, that was basically my strong suit, I guess, throughout, uh, the strong uh, trend throughout my co-op career. Uh, I started in a position called it desktop. That was when, uh, the company was called research in motion later transitioned to Blackberry, uh, focused on things such as computer repair, inventory management. You know, I learned ticketing software. And with that, you learn, uh, how companies sort of organize things, right? Um, especially BlackBerry, uh, a, you know, a large international brand. Uh, project management, of course, I was put on uh, a, a quite a large undertaking in terms of a sort of a logistics project, which I won't go into fully, but it was sort of a logistics project um, later on and an organizational project later on. So, you know, that was really, that really taught me to figure out, okay, I need to, and I was left to my own devices then. So I was like, okay, I'm going to use all these tools and all the stuff that I learned. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, you, I'm going to do this to get this done, have these checklists, do this, etc. Um, so there's that, that was my first position there. Um, my second position there, which was, I'm going to estimate around a year later, 
Um, so the first one was only for four months, like uh, the IT desktop. This one was also only for four months, and it was uh, corporate data network operations. Um, so basically, I again furthered my ticket software use because you know networking is is rather serious. Like they don't want you. They don't want like you. You have to be very, very like strict. You can't just be like, "Oh yeah, I'll bring you the monitor tomorrow." You know what I mean? You have to schedule that in because it's mm-hmm. networking. You don't want anything to go down. Um, so you know, I learned more intricacies and more management of the to- of ticketing software and alerting uh, you know the right folks to, "Hey, we're doing this maintenance or whatever." Um, network diagrams was huge. I like had to interpret, make, and fix a lot of network uh, diagrams when I was there. So that was big, and I, that's again that big hierarchy, right? That big thing that I that the, the where you get the, you see the big picture, and then of course network configurations, installation, and maintenance. So you know, really, literally getting getting really in there and setting up the setting up the various network devices, maintaining them, monitoring them, etc. Um, and then my final position, which was for eight months, um, was as a lab administrator assistant that again was also at BlackBerry limited. And that was a, uh, like there was, it was definitely a culmination, uh, definitely sort of, uh, Jack of all trades, a position, which was great to sort of end on, especially for eight months. So I did a lot of Linux and windows administration, which I had learned in school, but like hadn't really done a lot of during my other co-ops. I did computer repair there as well here and there. Um, so the, using the skills again, VMware again, I've used, uh, we talked about that and then hypervisors and VMs. So all that VM stuff, VMware hypervisors and the VMs themselves, uh, themselves came from the school. But then I learned like so much about them in this position as well. And it was just like a really, you know, you're put into this corporate job and that's kind of like the highest or one of the highest levels of like technical, um, like you, like you're really ju- jumping in. You're going from school where it's like, here's two VMs to, oh, here's 200. You know what I mean? So it's like a big jump. And then that kind of teaches you skills. It's like, a, I guess it'd be the magnitude is what I'm trying to get at. It's a big magnitude jump from just messing around the lab to messing around in a real lab. Uh, which was which was great, uh, and it was great experience. Uh, definitely a little stressful in the beginning, but the, as as it should be, you, you get stressed out, you learn how to do it, and then you master it. And that's exactly what um, what I was taught and trained to do. So which which is really great. Um, but yeah, that that that's my co op career. Definitely my favorite part of uh, of our education. Uh, what about you, Mike? Yeah, so I think that covered a lot of IT stuff, and uh, I also had an IT co op in my first. For my first co-op, uh, I won't go too much into that since Matt kind of covered what we did in IT. Uh, it was with a company called uh, New Tech Engineering, which was a robotics company. Um, just the actual floor of the robotics plant was really cool because there was a lot of robotic programming, which is actually something we did uh, learn about in Mohawk, surprisingly. We had two robotics courses where we were programming robotic arms to do uh, pallet training and all that. Um, which was cool to use a little bit of my knowledge in that co-op. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but then the next co-op was the electrical drafting co-op. So I had training in electrical, uh, AutoCAD electrical, and I had to set up the environment for all the engineers to use AutoCAD electrical. This was in a company called Simcoe Refrigeration, which, which does refrigeration installations for large warehouses. Uh, and it also does uh, ice rink refrigeration for most of the North American NHL arenas, plus obviously smaller arenas as well. 
Um, so while I was there, I was making their electrical environment for using drafting AutoCAD electrical software uh, so that the engineers could go in and just place a component onto the uh, onto the into the draft, into the actual drawing, and it, the drawing would know what the electrical properties of that component were, uh, also would know the bill of material for that component, and based on how many components there were, it could give you a bill of materials list, an electrical, li- an electrical, uh, um, electrical qu- qualities list, so it was, it was a really good software and really good experience because I got to work directly with engineers uh, rather than just doing regular drafting for the engineers. Um, I also did a lot of computer imaging there, but that's again IT. So I think we have a lot of interesting experience together. And it's weird that we took all this experience and then decided to start our own business in web design. I think that always kind of surprises me, but I think it makes sense because we're in web design also a jack of all trades and using all this information and knowledge that we learned before, we know how to approach a problem. I think that's, absolutely definitely yeah, I think that's that's a big thing that we learned it's not so much how to solve this problem is how to start solving a problem like i don't think there's been a problem yet that's been thrown at us that we're like no we can't do that no like most of the time we get a problem we're like yeah we'll we'll, we'll take it on and then we can usually solve it regardless of the programming language like the amount of programming languages that we that we've used over the years is getting more and more and none of it scares us away because we started with the basics we started with c we started with assembly uh so we know how these programming languages work yes when you go into object oriented design it's a little bit different than anything else that we've done but really that was just a small hurdle um i think that's a key thing in our business and in in our future projects that we will be using uh to differentiate ourselves from everyone else's we're going to be looking at it as engineering as an engineering background and we're going to be looking at it to solve a problem instead of using something to try to patch it together and we don't we don't back off from problems that definitely definitely not for sure like um excuse me even even most recently even most recently i we had a i had a a problem on on a, a side project that i'm working on where and this is like a totally random experience that helped me was somebody was some like a web dev, a fellow web dev logged into this thing. And I don't know what he did exactly because I wasn't there, but he was like, I don't know what's going on here. I can't FTP to this site. And he shows me this structure. And I was like, that's a Linux structure. And he's like, what? I'm like, that's the Linux like file structure. That's you're in the system. And he's like, how did I get in here? I just want to use like the, the web server part. And they like, like they're, you know, a lot of web devs and not all of them, but a lot of them don't understand that structure. And we get that structure. And, and, and it, it allowed me to consult him on how, how to fix it. It was like, a, you know, I, I, I was basically a consultant in that role. I was like, oh, you have, you know, you can either browse right to it probably, or you have, you're using the master account um, and you need to use like a lower just FTP user account. And that ended up being the problem. But like if I hadn't had those administration experiences, there's no way, right? You know, and and it, it, it's, it, it is super interesting that we went into web design. I think the design part is the, is the caveats. Not the caveat, but the, the hook where you're like, why are these guys putting together UIs and stuff when they're so technically intricate? You know what I mean? Because like you went all the way from AutoCAD to IT and everything. I went all the way from administration to IT. You know, the whole, the whole spectrum, if you will. And it's just, I think it's just the 
the the design perspective where people are like, why are they designing interfaces? Why are they designing that? But in the same breath, we pay attention so much to computer systems and to organization that a UI has to be organized. You know what I mean? And I think that that also helps us in the, in that regard. Um, one thing I, that I wanted to touch on that you mentioned was the robots that, that they're the robotics. That was pretty cool. We did, um, in our, in our Mohawk college, we did one robotics course and then two related ones, which were two PLC courses, which is essentially, uh, the computers that control, uh, industrial systems, like, like the robots, like, Oh, pick up here, move here, go here, stop here, do this, read this sensor, whatever. Um, how intricate did you use those systems? I wasn't aware that you had had more work experience with that. Yeah. So, uh, I actually, in my second co-op got a chance to program PLCs, um, in a test environment. So we had uh refrigeration system. So there was a lot of measuring. There was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of sensor data. There was a lot of shut off and relay valves. Uh, you know, like the, PLCs very are very much used for monitoring and safety and uh, passing of power, uh, d- depending on where where you need um, where you need the current at that very at that time. So it's it's an it's a very simple programming language, but it is a programming language. It's a logic based electrical programming language. It's very visual. I can't remember what the software was that we used. Was it Logic or something like that? Logics. Logics, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's a very interesting, uh, it's a very interesting field to go down, and I'm glad that I had a little bit of experience during my co-ops to do it. Um, and it's definitely something that I could see myself doing in the future too. Like if if there was ever a time where an engineering company we were doing some sort of and and design for an engineering company or a software application for an engineering company, and we had to integrate with a PLC, we would definitely be uh, qualified to do something like that. We could definitely interface and create a web portal or uh, have communication software between the PLC and a web and a website, uh, which is something that I was also a little bit involved in in my second, uh, second co-op. Super interesting that you mentioned that too, because mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, but one of our industrial clients, as it is, like one of the industrial clients for for digital dynasty design, actually had us look at a system, and we like we figured out how to read from it, like and there's no way, I mean I say there's no way as if I I'm being arrogant, but there's not typically a, a web developer is not going to be able to go and look at this sensor. I think it was a scale. And it was like an industrial scale, and they were like trying to determine the, like how do you read this? Like the, there's no instructions, or there was something wrong with the instructions. And we like, I think it was you and I, like we we fiddled and fiddled and fiddled with the thing, and we found out how to get the number, the like to like the fourth decimal or something from it live. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but that like that's that's something that we would never have been able to do, and it got us a web dev job right after. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that was. Uh... I remember that. Yeah, that was that's a good example, actually. That was a little while ago now, and um, I think we, we we had a chance for some more PLC work at the time, but we were busy actually with uh, web web work, so we kind of stayed with the web web design. And I, I I still think that's a good idea because the future, in my opinion, is mostly web related. Uh, like I was saying before, all these technologies are intertwining now, and anything you design for the web can run on almost any system. So it kind of makes sense to put all your eggs in one basket, almost. Absolutely, and and that also shows itself. Um, I, I mean, we'll definitely talk about this more in depth in future episodes. Mm-hmm. But 
um, that we, that definitely attributes itself to any Cordova apps that we've made, as well as any sort of uh, you know Chrome extensions or Chrome apps. Mm-hmm. It's all. I mean, obviously it's Chrome, so it's you know it's web based. But the fact that it looks and runs like a native app, but it runs on you know web tech and Cordova. You know, you're running in our case an Android app that is actually essentially a web view, but it runs really nice and it looks like a native app. You know, that's that that's an attestment to the the power of web technologies. I'd say. Yeah. And it's super interesting in that way. Yeah, I for sure agree. And there's plenty of other frameworks that are coming out now. Uh, Flutter, that's sponsored by Google, is a cross-platform development development software that you can design something. And it's the reason I bring it up, I know it's not web technologies, but it's very similar coding practice to JavaScript. And it was definitely inspired by JavaScript. Right. And so that that's what I mean. Like when when coding when web technologies are progressing you can see that it's important to learn them because of the future languages that are that it's generating so i would say dart which is an internal uh uh google language that uses that flutter uses is very web inspired right right um, yeah so that's why i think it's very safe to say learn web coding like if, if you have someone that comes in and be like i don't know what language to learn uh, i don't know what uh, where to start and if they they have maybe a programming base already like we do with c and assembly uh go into web I, that, that would be my recommendation and and you can and the great thing about web is i mean unless you're using some sort of uh you know, uh, library or, you know, environment, if you're just doing your basics, HTML, CSS, and JS, there's no compiling. And so you can see, like, if you're, you know, if you're just trying to learn programming logic and understand what ifs are and, and loops are and whatever else, you can just display the numbers on the screen and just see them. You can display the numbers in the console and just see them. You don't need to, you know, run the compiler, then like load it onto the Android device and see if it runs. You know, you can learn those basic systems right from the get-go and right in front of you visually, which is which is key. Um, to try to move along here, uh, we should probably talk about like what HTML All the Things is. Um, and HTML All the Things, um, this is the podcast for it, but it's it's much more than just a podcast. Um, the way we've described it in the past is it's a product of all of our ideas and thoughts from the past. And what it what it basically is is it's it's we've been in so many side projects for like i said from the google uh chrome development uh through to you know trying to get some android apps through to trying to get a stock photo site up etc 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 um and what we've basically determined is html of the things is going to be a developer resource center if you will and a publication of sorts um, to complement that. So there's so what we're hoping to have is templates like Bootstrap templates. Again, that, that just to touch on that, we're using Bootstrap because we want to distribute it, and so we can people can read our code immediately. It's not being used in one place, so we're using Bootstrap for that. Uh, we're going to be doing other templates of other of other types. Um, we're going to be doing uh, things like this where we're talking. Um, Talking on a podcast, we may have videos and we plan on having written articles on our business-based experiences as well as our technical experiences as well. Um, and it's just a developer resource for, for all these developers. And, and what this, what, how this came about was all those ideas, you know, some of them worked out, some of them didn't. And we said, okay, whenever one of these ideas, these side projects that we work on doesn't work out, what is our base? Our base is, you know, selling 
web development services, web design services to customers, whether that be another business or just a general consumer doing a hobby. And what we determined is we said, okay, why don't we do a side project that complements, invests in, and pushes the base? So what our thought is, is we, we, we dive in with this, we get some templates up, that's going to buffer our portfolio. We're going to give those templates away for free or paid, depending on um, where they're hosted and, and what we've decided for uh, any given template. So we're going to be having templates that are given away to people. Now we, now we have our work being spread out throughout. When, as we're coding templates and as we're coding even other projects other than HTML, all the things, we're going to have unique experiences in business and in uh, the technical side. And that is most definitely going to be something that we, A, want to discuss on the podcast possibly, or B, discuss in a Medium uh, article. Because we're going to probably host, or we, we already do have a publication hosted um, on Medium with uh, no content as of yet. But we want to share that in a written way. And then we're also going to have, obviously, in the future, it's coming soon, the HTML All The Things website, which is going to sort of be the home for HTML All The Things, obviously, and host all of these various uh, pieces, these intricate pieces of HTML All The Things all together on the one site so people can read, you know, download and, and look at whatever we're doing. Um, any other, any specific comments or anything you want to add into there, Mike? Yeah, I think big thing is uh, get ready for the failure. I think everyone knows that uh, when you're doing these projects, not all of them are going to take, and I would say a very small percentage take, and we will be discussing the failure. So anything that doesn't work, you will follow along and be able to see why it doesn't work, where we messed up. I mean, you might even, some of us, some of it's going to be open source, so you'll be able to even see why, it, you might be able to even suggest why it didn't work. So I think that's a big key the key to this is uh, the audience will be traveling along with us with all our success and our failure and uh, potentially even providing feedback that that is huge right because whenever you hear a and you know not all podcasts are like this but whenever you 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 listen to something for entertainment or educational value it is a presentation to an extent and a lot of the times the presenter and rightly so doesn't want to you know I would, I don't know whether I want to say glorify, but doesn't want to present for sure the their failures. And you know, while we're not going to cover everything we do, um, we're definitely going to be open to. Hey, heck, I could tell you right one right now. Uh, Free Photos Hamilton was not as big as we thought it was going to be. We thought it was going to be a huge thing for us, and it really, really wasn't. And like, I'm totally fine with saying that. Um, and we have a philosophy on how to handle failures, which I do want to cover in depth in a, in a future episode for sure. But this is, this is one of those things that we, that I think that we need to, you know, we're in the field we're you know, we're basically beginners because we're under a decade of experience anyway. Right. In terms of like some people in the field are just, they just know everything. Um, and so we, we're learning, you know, everything from the ground up, we're learning marketing, we're learning, we're learning the design, the UX, the UI, the everything. And we certainly, we have a ton of experience in all of this. Absolutely. But you know, we're not some multi-million dollar agency that everything just takes off because they have a following already. We want to discuss those, those failures and those, those difficult times, because I, I think that it encourages, um, other projects to come out. If you're afraid to launch a project, 
I think that you're probably mostly afraid of not because you're afraid to do it. You're probably afraid of like, oh man, I'm going to put this out and no one's going to download it. And, you know, I think it's encouraging to see other people in the field do that and openly say, hey, yeah, I put this out. I thought it was going to get a million downloads. It got four, you know? And sometimes you're going to be like, I think I thought this, I was just going to make this app for myself and it got a hundred downloads in the first day. I didn't even do anything. I didn't even, you know, market it. And so that's like a success in that case. So yeah. Did you have anything to, um, to add there? Uh, no, I think, I think we're good. Like success and failure is subjective. Uh, I think our successes might be some people's failures and our failures might be some people's successes. And I just want to point out that moving along, moving forward in this, uh, is a success in itself just just to make sure that you keep going through your projects and you keep working at whatever skill you're working on right now that is a success and that's kind of a preview of the philosophy that we have i think but uh we'll definitely have a whole episode on failures and projects that didn't take as well as we thought they 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 would in the future so stay tuned for that absolutely absolutely and and i think i think one of the one of the the key things the key things that i is our goal of this particular show is is really to get into those intricacies of you know i just don't want to talk about download numbers i want to talk about oh man i did like four posts with these hashtags and it didn't work you know we want to cover everything we want to cover you know the small business side of things you know which includes some of the marketing and that type of thing and then we also want to include the technical side of things you know we were rather technical today as a foundation you know because we're in a technical field but I think that it's important to talk about those other things. Because if you have a great product and you mess up your image, you know, as anyone will say, you know, you're probably screwed. You know what I mean? And no one's going to download it. Or if you have like just the worst logo, like, and it just isn't pleasing, you know, people aren't going to download that thing. You know what I mean? And so we need, I think, I think this, this show is really going to talk about those intricacies as well as, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on them within uh, the blog and that type of thing on HTML, all the things itself. Um, do you have anything else to add? I think we're kind of at the point where we can probably start to conclude the first episode here. Yeah, I think we can start to wrap up. I think uh, big things we covered was uh, the fact that we started with just pure HTML, CSS, and JS, right? Like, so we're we're very pure metal kind of people. Absolutely. Um, that have that do know and have used other. Uh, other frameworks like for example when matt was saying we were we'll be doing uh, bootstrap frameworks yes we will be doing that for sure um because that is an industry standard even though there's new there's new frameworks coming out every day people know bootstrap and i think it's very valuable for people to have those right off the bat to be able to look at how those are designed how to use them i think that that's why we're using bootstrap i think for every framework that we choose we're going to give you a good reason why we chose that i think that's a big part of our experience and i think that's important it's an important part to learn as you move forward as a developer right it, it, that, that that's a really good point is a lot of guys will just say like oh i learned bootstrap you know first so i'm going to use bootstrap and whereas that is a valid reason you know if you can get something up you know certainly do it uh, to the best of your own ability. But I think that with us, we, we would rather keep it pure if we can. And if we, you know, need to branch out, or if we want decide that, you know, we want to branch out to one of those frameworks, we're going to talk about it. We're going to say, hey, you know, I, I really like this. This is really good. It's a lot faster than I thought it was going to be. We're going to use this going forward or whatever. Um, I think that's, I think that's very key. Um, so I think, I think this is a good place to, to wrap it up for sure. Uh, definitely, 
tune in to all of our social medias. As I said, the website is coming soon, so that is that is not that is not even a thing yet. Uh, but because we're working on some templates, so you know we'll announce that on Twitter and that type of thing. So on Twitter, you can find us at HTML Everything, um, Instagram, Facebook, and Medium. You can just look up HTML All the Things, and we'll be right there. And like I said, HTMLAllTheThings.com is coming soon. Right now. We don't have a release day for our episodes. We don't know whether it's going to be Thursday, Monday, whatever. We don't know. But we what we are currently planning on doing this every other week. So at least twice a month. And then we'll kind of see where it goes from there as we are just starting up. And uh, well, thank, thanks a lot for listening to this part of the, uh, of the show. If you've gotten this far, uh, we really appreciate it. And make sure to follow us on all those social media channels. Yeah, thanks a lot, everyone. Signing off.